We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Ruins podcast. This is episode 256 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso and I don't know if you can sense it right off the bat, but just a deep, deep chemistry here between the fellas. Uh, we were back in action last weekend for what was uh, just the royal wedding of the Strelchecks. It really was. Um, just a blast uh, at the uh, at the university club in Chicago. So the, uh, the ladies of the pod got to uh, meet for the first time, which was always exciting. Plenty of fun stuff to get to here. On the pod, uh, we are a golf pod, so we will begin on tour, but not the PGA Tour. We'll begin on the Live Golf Series. But before we do that, Matt, first and foremost, how the hell are you? I'm doing lovely. It was it was lovely to see you in person. Uh, the, you, you look dynamite. I love the how green. I, I was going to say. I, I love the I forest look. green. It, it was yeah, very yeah. nice. It was a very nice look. It was a subtle forest green, though, if that makes sense. <laughs> like it wasn't the green wasn't the green wasn't yelling at me. Which yeah, some forest that, green still might. It was it was it, a it was a muted forest green, which I it I was nice because. It was nice because in different lightings, it looked like I was just in a tuxedo in darker mm-hmm. lighting. And then and it was a darker little, lit room mm-hmm, in, in a little bit of light. Uh, you really you really got the green there. If we're exchanging mm-hmm. compliments here, I'm not making this up. I heard multiple people talking about your hair like like we weren't talking that. about you and people were just bringing up your hair. So uh, you look fantastic as well. Um, I, I saw I, I was I stopped by uh, your mother's salon yesterday and got my hair cut. Mm-hmm. I needed a trim. And she mm-hmm. actually said the same thing. She said, Joe mm-hmm. was saying, you know, you wear the hair very well. So, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, the compliment behind my back is even more flattering yeah. than the one to my yeah. face. But I appreciate both of them. Thank I, you. I just much. ask. I just ask that you leave my mother out of it. That's all that I ask. Oh, but she's my she. You know, she's my stylist. <laughs> you're my you're um, my clothes stylist. She's my hairstylist. There you go. I'm, I'm uh, playing the moose. Those. The, there's uh, there's a no. Uh, there's a there's a pretty good you, you get the musos at a pretty good price too you know I do. We, we keep the we keep the family close but uh matt we do have some things to get to here uh live golf we are officially in the era of the live golf series uh it's begun as we speak a few holes in um not that i want to push it but stream it on youtube and on their websites mm-hmm. um some interesting things here in terms of graphics packages a lot of dudes who I've never heard of playing golf, but I, I think it's more important that we sort of dig into the tete-a-tete between the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Series. Um, the tour did release a statement mm-hmm. upon T-Balls flying, officially suspending the 17 PGA Tour members who are taking part in this first event of the Live Golf Series uh, out in London. If you give me two seconds here, no, uh, I, I read it a little bit so I can, while oh, you're okay. looking for it, so you can get it. Um, I, you can look for it while I, while I ask you a question here, but mm-hmm. I kind of read through it and saw the suspensions. And to me, that came like kind of came Weak. off as, yeah, it came off as we're kind of kicking the can down the road here. We haven't really made a fold. Like you said, you're like, we're suspending all of them, but didn't say how long we're suspending. Didn't thing. really make any, it didn't seem like anything was final from that. It seemed like a, you know what it seemed like? It seemed Go like ahead. the PGA Tour wasn't ready for this. They were not yeah. prepared for the, and I'm not calling this, you know, I'm using this word relative to the expectation. They were not mm-hmm. prepared for the legitimacy of this golf series. They were not prepared for 
Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, Ricky Fowler, potentially Taylor Gooch, yeah. Phil Mickelson to all be um, in bed with this, to all be in support of this. Now, not all those guys are appearing here um, in the first event, but Bryson and Patrick will be, be joining coming. Yeah. for the second event in Portland. Um, the PGA Tour got caught with their pants down, which is ridiculous because for the last 18 months we've been hearing about this thing. And yes, it got a little bit more real over the last, let's say three weeks, but this statement is pretty weak and pretty evident that they were not prepared for this. I'll read a bit of Jay Monahan's statement. Uh, it reads, we have followed the tournament regulations from start to finish, responding to those players who have decided to turn their backs on the PGA Tour by willfully violating a regulation. Simultaneously receiving this memo, the players are being notified they're suspended or otherwise no longer eligible to participate on PGA Tour tournament play. That includes President's Cup. No mention of the Ryder Cup there. Mm -hmm. This applies to all tours sanctioned by the PGA Tour. As you know, players listed below did not receive the necessary conflicting event media rights releases or did not apply for the releases at all. And their participation in the Saudi Golf League slash Live Golf events is in violation of our tournament regulations. The same fate holds true for any other players who participate in the future Saudi Golf League events in violation of regulations. So a couple things there. It's weak. It's not definitive. Mm -hmm. It talks about suspensions. It doesn't talk about lifetime. It doesn't talk about duration. It leaves the door open for these guys to come back when 100%. this live golf tour eventually disbands or whatever the case may be a year or two from now. It also refers to it only once as the live golf events, not the live golf series. And it also calls it the Saudi golf league a number of times, which isn't the name of the thing, but it is. That was definitely a calculated. A, exactly. Attack, it is a, decision. it is a, it is a literary, uh, or let's say it's a word choice. It's a, it's a, like you said, it's a deliberate word choice there to connect them directly to the money behind this, because that is the true indictment of it. And mm -hmm. we can get into the minutia of what they're going back and forth with in the comments that have been made. But I think over the last seven days, since we last talked, um, I'm not warming to the idea of it, but I'm, I'm open to the legitimacy of it. I'm, I'm open to the, and I'm only open to that because the PGA tour has bungled this. Like if you're Jay Monahan, if you're the commissioner of the PGA tour, Matt, how are you not the first one at a microphone at the RBC this week? How are you I not don't get standing, it. Like, how let, are you not standing by your players who have standed by, who have stood by you? Like I, the PGA tour was not ready for this in any way. And I think it sort of highlights what these guys who are, leveraging the PGA Tour are saying it's like we want more protection we want more visibility we want these certain things now they're not going about it in the right way by going and taking this blood money but mm -hmm. you can see kind of what they're talking about here yeah and like Jay Monahan essentially let Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy go out and be the official spokespeople of the PGA Tour and those guys have been doing that for now like it, this isn't the first time they've talked about it they talked and they're about tired it, of it you know all season they've been talking about most of the season or whenever, you know, a new story comes out about who might be getting offered what, and they have to keep shooting it down. And there's just no, yeah, like what you're saying, there's no backing from their commissioner or their leader. And this statement kind of like amplifies that. There's really, mm -hmm. there, there's no 
to JT or Rory, there's not that they expect some sort of reward, but like there's no backing of their guys in this statement too. Like there's no draw. And I know Jay Monahan needs some support probably from majors and more people behind him before he can actually like really drop a hammer. But like, that's something that your ducks should have been in a row a long, long time ago, because like you said, we've been talking about this thing for close to two years now. I want to say, you know, 18 months ish, like a year and a half. And it's been a viable, you know, it's been a, viable option now for you know six months we've been hearing like people getting the money offered so it's been there and it's just kind of like yeah it's never going to happen it's never going to happen it's never going to happen oh it happened now what do we do like it just seems like the planning the thinking out the thought out process of this has been very like you said bungled from the start and it's kind of opened the door for live golf to have like Obviously the, the money is not ideal where it's coming from and that's, it's, it's bad. But like, if you look at sports leagues across all of sports, I mean, the, the NBA makes a you know, billion dollars a year from China with a $5 billion investment. And the PGA tour has a tour in China, like all money in sports comes from bad places at times. So I, I don't want to highlight this. I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that's sometimes a thing. Um, but like it, it's opened the door for the, leg- the legitimacy of the claim, like, Phil's claims, not obviously about the Saudis, but about the actual golf and like mm-hmm. the, the claims of these players that obviously they're taking the money, but like the claims of the PGA tour needing to like not really having their backs and this being a new era for golf and a new like way to go about a pro golf tour. It's opened the window for that legitimacy. Yeah. Um, I think everything you said right there is, is perfect, Matt. And I don't want to sit here and pine about the morality of this league or the morality of money and sports. I, no, I think we all we know can, that. We, I think, I think everybody we knows. Can, yeah, it's, it's not a good thing. It's not, you no. know, Graham McDowell came to the podium and defined sports washing, said they weren't sports washing, and then defined sports washing. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are being um, – there's a lot of people that are being exposed for who they truly are. And I don't think that that's, I think that the PGA tour is a part of that too. I think the PGA tour is being exposed as unprepared and maybe um, underemployed in the communications department. I don't know what it is, but the PGA tour was not ready for this. The simple fact for me, when you, Remove the more morality for this just for a moment. I'm not saying it, it doesn't mm. matter, but remove it for a moment. It comes down to the quality of the game. It comes down to the quality of the golf. It comes down to the quality of the product. If the PGA Tour allows Live Golf to get enough players that interest us to put together a product that's interesting, not just because it's new, not just because it's different, not just because it's a shot sideshow, but because the golf is good, then the PGA Tour is truly in trouble. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about the viability long term of this league, but we know that we all have fish brains and our memories go back about 10 minutes. And 10 years from now, the money that Dustin Johnson took from Live Golf for this series and maybe another one, let's say he ends up banking on top of winning a quarter billion dollars yeah. over the next 24 months. Then we get 24 months past that. And Dustin Johnson wins another major on the PGA Tour because it doesn't look like the majors are taking too staunch of a stance on this either. No. These guys are all going to be at Brookline in six days. Are we really going to remember Dustin Johnson for this? Are we really going to indict 
Phil Mickelson for this? Or are we going to remember him jumping at the Masters? Are we going to remember his heartbreak at Wingfoot? Are we going to remember all the things that we've remembered him for to this point? Will this just be a flash in the pan and these guys not be justified in their actions, but have bigger bank accounts and be just fine in terms of their image publicly? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know that we can carry this ire forever towards these guys for taking this payday because I've sat down and I've had this conversation with a number of people. I asked this question while you morally stand up against all that is wrong with this tour. What's your number? What's the number? What's the number that you have in your head that allows you to put your morality aside and say, sorry, I am changing the generational wealth of my family. And yes, a hundred million dollars or even $10 million is far different to Joe Musso and Matt Rooney than it is to Dustin Johnson. But a hundred million dollars is a hundred million dollars, no matter what Mm -hmm. your last name is. So what's your number? Because I've sat here and I've thought about my number and not to say that I am uh, morally bankrupt or I am the picture of morality, but I'm somewhere between the two and everybody's got a number, Matt. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing these guys go, and I don't think that like what $75 million is what DJ had made on tour before going ahead, before signing with live. Correct. We're right around 74, $75 million that, that that's, that's his on career. Course, yes. I think career earnings on, like on, that, on yeah. tour. That's, that's obviously generational wealth for, for multiple generations. But then you have this tour that, like you said, what's your number. They come up and offer him close to double that. That's I, 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 I don't know. Do what I do. That's like someone saying, that's like saying someone, someone that's like live live golf coming to you and saying, Hey Joe, like this is what you make X. How about five times that to come be our, you know, beat writer or something. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm seeing it from different angles than I did a week ago. I'm seeing it from different angles than I did a month ago. I'm seeing it from different angles because while the, um, while the, moral issues are evident. And while the product that I'm looking at, that I'm laying my eyes on right now is a little funky and I'm, I'm watching a lot of putts roll in from guys that I've never seen before. Scotty Vincent. How about, how about that? Scotty? Draining Vincent? it. <laughs> the, Second uh, one he's put with the pin in today and made the, uh, the uh, balaclava there is, is an interesting look with the, with the neck <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, the the more time that passes, the more evident it is that the PGA Tour has got some issues on their hands. And, hey, you know what? Maybe, like you said, live golf might not last longer than a couple of years. But live like, might not live. Live might not live. Um, but maybe <laughs> there are some things that, you know, like we said, the PGA Tour has been kind of stuck in its ways because they've been a, been a monopoly for so long. It may, maybe there's a couple things from this tour that they can take, they can adopt, they can use not every week on a weekly basis, but do some things to maybe make their tournaments, their, their let's, styles, let's their go formats there. a little bit better. Let's go there because sure. it's about it's about the product. It's about the television. It's about the viewer. The players, there's always going to be talent. There's always going to be players. Now, mm-hmm. you want to have the top 125 on your tour, yes. But what's what's the PGA, big, PGA Tour's biggest problem for you right now? Because I love turning it on every Sunday whether it's on my air on CBS, mm-hmm. whether it's an NBC week, whether it's uh, whatever, wherever it's happening, whether it's on golf channel, I will watch. I love the product. I love the players. What's wrong with the PGA tour for you? So for me, I, don't, I, I very much like the product, but like 
So last week is, you know, at the Memorial, that's a tournament I'll usually turn into. There's, there's nothing they can really do about Billy Horschel having a four shot lead going into Sunday and there not being much drama to it. But I think there's, there's ways to change up turn. Like there, there's ways to do some different formats here and there. I don't know if this whole team format's something that's going to stick, but like it, there's a little bit of redundancy for me in yeah. these week to week, small tournaments where guys aren't, and there, there's nothing you can do to stop guys from playing like certain weeks and taking weeks off. But like, there are weeks in the PGA tour where, yeah, I work in, you know, sports gambling and we have a golf site. So I'm doing some research, doing some writing here and there, but like there's weeks that I rather want to rather, you know, go do something else, go watch this, watch that play golf instead of actually turning on the tour, because I just certain weeks when they're, you know, playing the Wells Fargo at wherever they played at, I just didn't really care all that much for some reason. And I think and that my just response, sometimes tends to happen. My response to that is going to be, uh, are, are these, Team team aspects and clip art logos and probably increased. not. I think I know what you're saying for that. You know, like I don't know. But I, I'm I not do. saying I'm not saying that the PGA Tour is infallible. They're mm-hmm. it, they're making it quite evident over the last 72 hours that they're not. But yes. I'm not sure that there are drastic changes that can be had. I think that they've gone in the right direction in many ways. And this is more about the TV providers than it is mm-hmm. the actual PGA tour, but some of the shot tracer stuff that's happened over the last five years, some of the Certainly. Uh, advanced graphic stuff that broadcast have gotten a million broadcasts. times better over the last five years. Uh, like you said, I don't think that um, shotgun starts and I don't think that team formats are, are the real answer to the greater problem. Maybe you mix in some more match play uh, throughout the actual schedule. Rather that than is just- my in Some, in that's my it. answer there. I think it, it, one of the I answers think, is I think there's, there's just changing up some formats or making, making more of these tournaments, these smaller tournaments kind of matter a little bit more or not matter a little bit more, but a little bit more less redundant when you have maybe a worse field. You know what makes it matter more? Exactly money? what live golf is doing more freaking money that's the only thing that matters that's the only reason that we're talking about this that's the only reason that dustin johnson has a live golf logo on him right now and said goodbye to the rbc that's the only reason phil mickelson is in a bunch of unbranded clothes right now and stopped Mm -hmm. his relationship with callaway money more money so if the pga tour is hiding it somewhere if the pga tour is padding the pockets of its sponsors if the pga tour is padding the pockets of his executives it's time to find more money now go about it in a just and moral way or as just and moral as it can be but it's time to increase purses are you yeah. going to be able are you going to be able to have a 26 million dollar purse every weekend i don't know I, I don't know. Are winners takes going to be able to be $5 million every weekend? I don't know. Is the FedEx cup champion going to make $50 million for winning a tournament? I don't know, but you got to get there. The, the rate with which sports money and sports contracts have increased over the last 20 years. is not commensurate with the numbers on the PGA tour. Now, yes, you can go back and look at winners take used to be $600,000 20 years ago or whatever it was. And now it's 1.3 at your average tournament or 1.6 at your average tournament. But that's you're, you're, you're talking about a 500% increase to what the, the winner's going to take here at, at the live golf tour. Do you have to talk about um, missed cut payment? 
maybe you got to talk about some of that. I mean, last place at this first event in London is going to make $120,000, which usually is like uh, eighth place finish on the PGA tour. Money talks. That's why these guys are putting their legacies on the line. Money talks. That's what the PGA tour needs to start focusing on. And you brought up something there that I, I do want to bring up in terms of, you know, making changes to the game, trying to add excitement. The FedEx cup, while I think it was a good effort and I think it was a good, you know, I think they, it was a good effort to try and make something more exciting, make golf more exciting down the stretch. But if you ask a casual golf fan, how the FedEx cup works and how the FedEx cup playoff works, like every year on the podcast, you kind of have to rewalk me through who starts with what and like, who's getting this, yeah. who's starting with this lead. Who's like, I don't think that's it. And while maybe the team format for live right now looks a little bit like kitschy and whatever. Maybe there is some sort of, once you get to the FedEx cup, you're divided up into teams and these, like these teams may, you know, win this much purse because, you know, when I'm watching the tour championship at East Lake and I don't know, uh, Shane Lowry is way out of like way out of the FedEx cup, but he's playing for X team and he's teeing off on the first tee time. And if he goes out and shoots a low number, well, then his team has a little bit more of a chance to go after this purse. I think it does make the entirety of the golf a lot more. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying do it for the whole season, but maybe there's a way that, you know, the top 50 in the FedEx cup standings, once we get to where does it's the BMW is always the first, uh, FedEx Cup tournament, I think. Well, um, I don't feel like it's the second, but I think it is. Whatever. The Whenever you get the first FedEx Cup yeah. tournament, the top 50 in the FedEx Cup standings are divided into this, and we have this purse for that five and whatever. That's kind of how you go with it. Maybe that if you you know win the actual FedEx Cup, you get a little bit more of a bonus than your team, whatever. I don't know. But again, that's something that comes down to more money being put into it. But I think that team factor, not through the season, because I don't think that's something that, is the PGA tour would ever do. And I'm not really sure in the long run that changes much, but I think having this team playoffs factor in the FedEx cup makes things a little bit more relevant and it makes the golf more relevant instead of just saying, Oh, uh, Colin Morikawa is 10 under today starting and he's got a three shot lead to start the tournament. Like, Oh, okay. So he's probably just going to win. Like, yeah. I think if, if, that's, I guess that's my two cents on the team format thing. Not a, not a sustainable full season thing, but maybe there is something to it in a playoff format. If we do do team format, Matt, can we all agree that grownups will make the team names and logos? Can we agree yeah, not on this, that? I mean, this is... This is <laughs> are, you a, are you a four aces guy or are you a Niblix guy? Oh, I'm a Niblix guy. I forgot. Who was that? Who's the, who's the Nib? Is that Graham McDowell's team? Uh, I have no idea. The Niblix? One of the, it's, no one, idea. it's one of the, uh, you know... United Kingdom guys. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Um, the the simple fact of the matter is, if you want to divide it by tournaments, Dustin Johnson's going out there making about seventeen million dollars this week <laughs> to play three rounds of golf. I mean, um, it's good. <laughs> hard to argue that's, good. With. that's a good weekend. That's a nice week. Hard to argue with. Break it down. I want to once once we total his scorecard. I want to break down money per shot. That's always interesting when you talk oh, like what yeah. uh, what Max Scherzer makes per strikeout or per pitch. What DJ like, made always, per what DJ made per swing of the club this weekend. Yeah, you can even count practice swings because he's not going to take many. Um, <laughs> Matt, he got to the range about. To, he pulled. What, he did what we do is get to the range like ten minutes before your tee time. Hit two drivers, two eight irons, and oh, I'm good. Have so. a have a hot dog for breakfast and then go <laughs> shoot. 90. <laughs> Have a Mick Ultra on the ninth, um, on the ninth tee box. 
God. Uh, there's going to be plenty more to unpack here in the coming weeks. And um, I'll be interested to see how it affects the Chicago land area to see, you know, who's jumping at some tickets, who's going to be there at Rich Harvest Farm in Saturday, uh, or excuse me, in Saturday, in September, brains yeah. not working. Um, but yeah, I think a lot to be seen, a lot to come. And I want, I want more from the PGA tour. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm officially, I'm officially, I'm not, I'm not, choosing a side here by any means if you're making me yeah i'm a p i'm a i'm a tour guy i'll, I'll pledge my allegiance to the tour but i, I just need i just need more from they need the to, tour. They more need to money do something. more they need they, to do they, something it was the statement today made it abundantly clear how behind yeah, the ball they are how behind they are in responding to these things and um the lack of preparedness is just yeah, it's it's eye opening. It's jarring. And maybe it's because Jay Monahan thought he'd have the backing of the USGA and Fred Ridley and the RNA. And maybe he doesn't. But like, I don't know, you had to have these conversations a long time ago, not on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, Matt, let's pivot here to some championship. Sure. moments. Uh, the NHL conference final rolls on out east. Um our streak like of leaving off the pod with hockey is over. Stop, snap, yep, and breathe. That's okay. It That's is. okay. Um, the Rangers streak snapped as well and now loses in two, uh, two in a row, two of the last three. It's about a minute. Um, uh, two in a row. Two in a row, excuse me. Two in a row. Uh, well, also technically two of their last three, but two in a row. True. Very true. Depends how you frame it. Yeah. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky is back in a big way. Uh, looked really, really confident in that game for a win. So home ice has held interestingly enough, Matt here, you know, I get some, some great stats out of these stat packets. Mm-hmm. It's the first time since 1993, I believe it's 93 or 91 that home ice held on both sides of the conference final that, uh, excuse me on, on either side. So it's the first time that all oh. four of the first games were won by the home side, oh, which, okay. you would, you would, which you would think would, would happen far more often. Hasn't happened where first two went to the home side, second two went to the home side since 1993. Um, wow. And that's the case that we have now a best of three heading back to New York with two in New York, one, one, one here. I, I think I give the advantage here to Tampa. I, I, I truly do with the way that they're playing in front of Vasilevsky, making life really easy on him over the last let's say seven periods uh, mm-hmm. from the third period of game two yeah. to what we've seen here. Um, it, it's, it's been very interesting to watch them develop, not panic. And I think that, um, I think that they have the edge in this series, despite not having home ice because New York's just having trouble scoring the puck. They're having trouble getting into the zone. They haven't scored an even strength goal in like 138 minutes, Matt. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing? I mean, you're, you're seeing, I, I hate bringing this back to, you know, Blackhawks run comparisons, but that's the most kind of dominant era of hockey that we're all familiar with. This is the same thing as kind of when the Blackhawks used to start off series a little bit slow sometimes, and we'd get a little bit worried and then games four five, six, and seven roll around and they kind of just take over. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's kind of what we're seeing the, the better teams, the really, really good teams. And this is not a knock on the Rangers because we're talking about the two time defending Stanley cup champions they're going up against know how to make their adjustments and kind of turn things on as series go on. And that's also happened in net with Vasilevsky. He's been at home. He was much better. He, he as, as the series has gone on, he's gotten much better. Kucherov has now scored in three straight games. Stamkos had three points in two games at home. Like you're seeing the lightning's best players, 
be their best players. Oftentimes, like we'd see Patrick Kane turn it on at the end of a series, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Sharp, Duncan Keith. Like that's kind of what we're starting to see here. I don't want to call this game a must win for the Rangers because in the playoffs, it's never a must win until you're out. But this is about as close to must win as you can get without it being an elimination game. And I, I'm excited to see what happens tonight because the Lightning are playing, you know, the last two games, they played much better hockey. They fell down to nothing and then just kind of flipped that switch in game three. Uh, if they can stay out of the penalty box, it's going to be really tough for the Rangers to go ahead and, and win this game tonight, especially with how well Vasilevsky been playing. But the Rangers have also won with like five in a row, six in a row at home, and they've been a different team at home. So I'm excited to kind of see which what wins out tonight, whether it's the Lightning kind of getting better as the series go on or if it's the Rangers home ice dominance. Yeah, very, very important first 20 minutes here at MSG yeah. uh, on Thursday night because New York struggles have just, you know, the first goal is going to be huge. When you can't get anything going, when you can't get a legitimate shot on net, everything gets harder. Fans get tense. Buildings, the air comes out of the building. So I think that it's a very important first 20 minutes that they get, maybe not even that they score first, but that they have high pressure chances, that they have yeah. good looks at the net, that they ring a post, that something productive happens around the net because, honestly, outside of the goal that they scored late in the third period, maybe three or four actual chances the other night. So, um, And that's increasingly hard when you're down two of your top centers and uh, Philip Heedle, who I don't know if he's available tonight. He left the Mm -hmm. game, did not return uh, in game four, and Strom was out, skated before game four. I'd expect that he'd go here, but Obviously, yeah. everybody's less than 100%. So um, they're sort of behind the eight ball and more injured than Tampa is right now. And then you got the big bad wolf in, in, in the abs lying in wait, just kicking their feet up. Now, we'll obviously have the rest versus rust conversation when someone eventually does punch their ticket from the east. But um, you're going to have a really fresh offensive juggernaut waiting for you, whoever comes out of this Eastern Conference final. Now, I think I saw, and I might be wrong, but this surprised me. I think because the Stanley Cup finals are on ESPN and ABC, I think they're not starting those till June 18th because they wanted to keep it so they don't overlap with the NBA. Um, Might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. So everybody's going to be rested? That's the case. It's all going to be It's going to be rest versus rest for both teams. I just hope that Colorado remembers, like, how to play hockey by that point. Uh, like I, don't, I don't think they're going to have much of a problem with that right. yet. Two weeks, right. off, two weeks, 11 days off is going to be a lot of off time. Um, but again, like they had about 10 days off, I think in between Nashville and St. Louis and the St. Like game one of St. Louis, they came out and outshot them like 54, 28 and won an overtime. But um, yeah, like you said with tonight, the Rangers are going to, I just said it with Tampa, their best plays, players have been their best players. The Rangers are going to need their best players to be their best players. Mika Zibanejad is going to have to get on the score sheet. Adam Fox is going to have to kind of do his best Kale McCarr uh, impression and, mm-hmm. and kind of just run things from the blue line. And Igor Shesterkin is going to have to stop 36 of 37 shots tonight. Like that's – he's the guy that's as good as the team has been. Shesterkin's kind of been the guy that's gotten them this far, and he's going to need to be that guy times two. He's got to be their best player, and he's got to – I'm excited to see which kind of team starts off fast. I think it's going to be the Rangers because I think the Lightning are going to kind of realize they're going to come out with some jump. And if they – like you said, it, it goal's important, but they got to have a lot of momentum early on. They, they cannot allow that first goal. Whether or not they go into the locker room up one nothing. 
it's really important they don't go into the locker room down one to nothing because that's when the stadium starts to get on edge. That's when the team starts to get on edge. And that's yep. kind of when the other locker room is like, yeah, we kind of got them here. So that you can't go into that first period locker room down one to, one to nothing or let alone two to nothing, whatever, in trailing, I should say. Yeah. Um, Matt, I need you to go Matt Stradamus here and give us a, sure. uh, give us a prediction for game five. But before you do – another nugget for you. You know, there's always the statistic that they pop up when judge and Stanton Homer in the same game, the Yankees yeah. are like 20, 21 and one all time yeah. or something. I believe that that's the stat, the Tampa Bay lightning in games that Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos uh, score in the same game uh, are 11 and one in their playoff careers. So um, you, you got to bottle those guys up. You got to yeah. bottle up the top line. You got to bottle up the top scorers. And uh, if you don't, you're likely going to be chasing. How's it go down in game five, Matt? I re- I think the lightning are going to win tonight. I think you're going to see an, a, a, a spirited start from the Rangers, but Vasilevsky seems like he's found it. And the lightning seem like they've kind of come back to life here and, uh, the, the Rangers had them down two nothing in the middle of the second period on the road in Game Three with a chance to go up three nothing in the series, and they let them up off the mat. You saw the unbelievable pass from Kucherov to Pilat for the game winner, and that I don't know. It, it seemed like they had the champs down, and they let them back up, and you, you can't let them back up. And here I am, Matt, talking out of both sides of my mouth because our NHL final. More likely than not, according to our friends in the desert, is going to be the Avalanche and the Lightning. Two of the more clip-arty logos that you've ever seen in <laughs> professional sports. <laughs> it's going to be the Niblicks and the Four Aces. The Niblicks and the, the Four Stanley Aces for the Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How perfect is that? It's, uh, you know what? Perfect. If we get that series, though, that's going to be... It should be awesome. That's going to be so damn fun. It's like I, I think the should, yeah. I think the Avs win because they're going to be the fresher team and they're they're still the better team. But man, that offense versus playoff Vasilevsky is like unstoppable force meets a movable object. I'm excited to see it. Somebody's got to drive that stake through Dracula's heart, and why not the team that can put up eight at a time? That would uh, be the that be. would be the team that can do it. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that New York, uh, you know. They, they don't go down without a gas appearing tonight. I don't think they like get blown out. I think they compete. I think it's a game because they're at home. They play a lot better at home. But I just uh, – I think Tampa in the end wins out. But, hey, I, I, I thought Tampa would win game one and game two. They didn't do that. So, I, I'll give York you a, at home is a different animal. I'll give you a prediction here. Let's hear it. I, I, think that, I think that we get three straight away wins because it's been so home and home here. Interesting. I think that Tampa, I think that Tampa wins tonight. I think that New York goes and survives in Tampa. I think it comes back to MSG and New York gets their heart broken at home by Tampa. And Vasilevsky rips off a one to nothing shutout win in game seven. Yeah, exactly. Vasilevsky's going to stop like 130 of the next 135 (laughs) shots he sees or something ridiculous. That's what he does. Um, All right, Matt, let's pivot to the hardwood here. A big result on Wednesday night with the Boston Celtics owning the fourth quarter mm-hmm. against the Golden State Warriors. You know, we make a big deal about the third quarter dubs, how they come out of the locker room. I believe they're a plus 45 in the third. Well, Boston in this series through three games, plus 40 in the fourth quarter. And that's the quarter that decided game one, decided game three. Mm-hmm. Um, the physicality of this series has been jarring, and it looked like that was going to almost be Golden State's route to victory with Draymond's sort of, ruffling feathers and getting guys off their game. But 
I changed the way I looked at that after game three because Boston embraced that physicality. They dictated mm-hmm. that physicality. They sent Draymond packing and made it a non-factor. He had the always elusive quadruple single last night. Uh, Love that. Steph did all he could do. Uh, Clay appeared to shoot his way out of a slump, but Boston was too much down the stretch, and uh, here they are with a – two games to one lead with one more at home, the possibility of going back to Golden State up 3-1. You know, you said it earlier in the pod, there's no such thing as a must win until one team has three. But again, this game about as close as it can be to a must win game four in Boston, Golden State's got to pick one off and go back home 2-2. Yeah, Golden State just kind of looked like they got bullied, especially in that fourth quarter. And it, it was like, it was Boston won the fourth quarter in a different way than they won the fourth quarter in game one. Like in game one, they just, they shot lights out for three. They made what, like they were seven for seven from three and just couldn't miss. That was Mm -hmm. not the case in this four. Like they didn't, I didn't see their shooting percentage, but there were plenty of open looks that they didn't hit. I know Marcus Smart banked in a three and they made some shots, obviously, but this wasn't the lights out shooting performance you saw in game one. This was like, we're grabbing offensive rebounds. We're bullying. You're not getting easy looks. And I don't know what it is about the fourth quarter, whether it's Boston playing better, whether it's Golden State like running out of gas from going all out in the third and being, you know, so good. But something, some switch seems to flip for both teams and positively for Boston, negatively for uh, for Golden State in that fourth quarter. And even in the third quarter, it felt like a win for Boston because they still came out of that quarter alive and winning. And, you know, I think they had like a five-point lead going into the fourth. I don't know. Golden State just seems to be really struggling with the lack of size. And it's kind of – like it's kind of Draymond or bust. Like if Draymond's having a good night, they're going to have a chance. And if Draymond's off and he's in foul trouble, it's Boston's game. You know, Matt, it's interesting because we've talked about it before on the pod that the narrative shifts so drastically off of each result here. After the game one loss at home, Golden State looks like garbage. They're going to get swept. Then they come back in game two. It's like, oh, this Golden State team, you know, they're, they're such a, they're such mm-hmm. a stalwart. They're a champion. They, knows what it, they know what it takes. Then after the game three loss here, are they going to even survive? Can they do it without this? Can Draymond be that? I refuse to vacillate that much because you saw it in the third quarter, what Golden State is still capable of. They went on an 8-0 run in a 39-second period. Mm-hmm. They can, at their best, they are still the best. No one's, no one's offensive firepower is that of the Golden State Warriors. When Steph starts seeing the bottom of the net, when Clay starts seeing the bottom of the net, they can outshoot everybody. They can outscore yeah. anybody. It's about... It's about extending it 48 minutes and playing in the structure of what has become a very chippy series and being able to be physical enough. Now, Steph's foot is an interesting thing uh, moving forward in this series. He got landed on by Al Horford late in this game. We're likely not going to know how severe it is. Steph, after mm-hmm. the game, said very similar to the injury that um, knocked him out of the tail end of the regular season, but not as severe. Um, that was coincidentally against Boston as well with uh, Marcus Smart landing on his leg. But it all unfolds following each result. And I think we overreact time and again to these results. I really still think we're in store for a very long series here. Golden state is not going to roll over for anybody. I'm just, I'm just always taken aback by the 
definites that with the definitive nature that we speak about these results um, after 48 minutes of basketball day yeah. in, day out. And part of it too, is the layoff is so long between these games. Mm-hmm. Like so it's, it's, it's not like the NHL where it's kind of rapid fire. You just have one day off and you're right back to it. There's two days. So it kind of gives people longer to come up with and then sit on these takes. But like, I'm, I'm with you. I still think I took the Warriors in seven and I'm going to stick with that. It just, Boston is, Boston's a little bit better than I thought they were. Um, And the the physicality is giving Golden State. They they have more in the tank kind of than I thought they did because I thought they kind of ran, like they used it all to get by Miami. And I thought that the physical nature of that series took a lot out of it. There are a lot of them, excuse me. And it kind of didn't seem to do that. It almost seemed to do the opposite and kind of rejuvenate them a little bit. Clay and Steph are just going to kind of have to go out and win a series. The supporting cast hasn't quite been what we thought it would be so far through three games. Um, they're going to need those guys to pick it up. But I mean, if Steph, if Steph Claymon and uh, I said Claymon, Claymon. Steph Clay nice. and Draymond want their, you know, like we talked about before this kind of their legacy series, the before the before KD, the KD, the after KD, they're going to mm-hmm. have to, you know, go out and take it. It's not just going to, it's not, not going to be served up on a platter to them as, as cliche, cliche as that sounds. They're going to have to go out and be their big three if they want to go out and win the series, especially Draymond, because I mean, what we've seen from uh, games one through three is the Warriors kind of go in this type of series as he goes. It's, I think it's as simple as this for the Warriors. You can't give up 68 points in the first half, and you can't let Smart, Tatum, and Brown combine for 77 points. Like Correct. you're just not, there you go. you're just not going to win. You're just not going to win many games doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And they understand that. And I think we get a much better effort from them here in Game Four on the road. You're going to get, like we said it after the game one loss, you're going to get the Warriors' fastball coming off of this loss. Um, yeah, both so teams undefeated they, in the playoffs coming off a loss so far. Th- there I you go. Last uh, I think both are six and zero. Uh, also Boston seven and zero straight up and against the spread coming off the loss. So there you go. if they lose another game here, jump on them the following, but um, still plenty of series to be played. So plenty of time on that clock. And I think that, uh, I think that your, your estimation of seven games is, uh, is pretty spot on at this point, or at least we can root for seven games, yes. um, which would be a week from Sunday would be game seven. So, Still plenty of time to talk about this series as well, Matt. So let's uh, let's close the book on this one. Let's close mm-hmm. the book on episode 256 of The Pod, unless you have something else for the people. We, we uh, do anything. have a brief buy or sell slash mailbag here. Come on. Friend of the pod, Rob Gallick. A buy or cred- sell mailbag. Credit, okay. credit, to Rob, it, credit to Rob. He sends about a mailbag a day or every other day, and we will do our best Live to get golf, all of them. Live golf not- sympathizer, Rob Gallick. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to all of them as soon as we can, Rob. But uh, this one, we kind of got into a little bit, little debate about yesterday. And I thought it was an interesting topic since we're on the topic of hoops. Um, the Rudy Gobert Bulls rumor, um, basically mm-hmm. buy or sell Rudy Gobert, buy or sell a Rudy Gobert trade to the Bulls. And then caveat of that, buy or sell Patrick Williams being included in that. Well, okay, that was going to say, I can't buy or sell that unless I know what Well, the offer take. I saw yesterday, and again, this is just complete conjecture. It was uh, the CHGO Bulls podcast was saying, you know, that their, their debate was Williams and Vooch for Gobert. Done. I don't Done. know. Vooch, 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 Vooch is rendered, Vooch, Vooch Vooch is rendered useless. Vooch is the non-issue. That, I don't care about that. I, I, I care well, about that. Well, while, while I love Pat. I didn't see enough development in him last year. Uh, I, I just didn't. You know, I think that 
he made some strides and defensively he's great. His offensive package is non-existent. Not to say that, not to say that Rudy Gobert is this like offensive piece, but we're at the point as a franchise where you have to take that next step and to take that next step, you have to stop the guy and Mm -hmm. the guy in the East and in the division even is Giannis. And I don't know that patent two years is, is standing in the way of Giannis. I think that Rudy Gobert has proved to be one of the best rim protectors in the last 20 years of the NBA. I think he's, at times been effective in stopping Giannis. I think that he has that playoff pedigree. You got to make a move. You, you, the team that we have right now is not a championship caliber team. Now, are we a scorer away? Are we a defender away? Are we both of those things away? I would say, yes, we're still probably those things away. If it's the deal that does not include DeMar does not include Zach. I think I'm making the deal. I, where I get a little bit held up is now the, the injury thing is a thing and it's, it's not something you overlook, but Patrick Williams was injured most of last year. And I thought once he came back and once he got more of a role, I mean, he was one of the few guys in the buck series that actually hit some shots instead he's of, you know, when he had, old, to be fair, that, you know, he's, that's, that's why I'm very hesitant to punt on Pat. It's hard to say punt on him because you've been moving him for an all-star center, but Rudy Gobert's, going to be 30 when the NBA season tips off next year. He makes 40-ish a year for the next four years. I don't know if in the Bulls, like if you make that move, assuming they re-sign Zach, which I, I do think they end up doing, if you make that move, that's your move. That's it. That is like that when the NBA you have 40 million for him, you have 40 million for Zach, you got 30 whatever it is for DeMar for the next couple of years. Like That's it. That's your move. That's your core. Yeah, but, but it's, it's the DeMar, NBA, Zach, and Rudy. It's not Major League Baseball. You can reinvent yourself in four and a half hours. You can rebuild your team in three days in the NBA. Are you going to be one of those teams that does that and chases a championship? Or are you going to be this, hey, grassroots, we developed it. You know what grassroots, oh, I, we developed it gets you? Gets you the Utah Jazz who never won shit. I, I'm, not say, I'm not saying don't go out and get a guy. I'm saying I'm not sure that's the guy. I'm okay. not like I, that, I don't that, that I that's, can understand. That's what that I'm I saying. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying but hey, the, run it back with this group. This year, maybe time, that's what you have to do because there might not be a better option. But I'm being more like, and uh, what's his name? Karnashovas would have a, a better um, feel on this than I would. But like, we don't know. Like Nikola Jokic said, he wants to stay in Denver, but we don't know that that situation fully yet. I, I don't want to jump when this this free agency class isn't great. There might be some pieces you can add in free agency, some guys, some moves you can make that, that are you know off the bench type players, playoff players that can shoot. That I, I don't love running it back with this group, but I don't want Rudy Gobert to be my big move for this core going forward. I, I don't want a 30-year-old center who is limited offensively, granted great defensively, but that probably doesn't last for the entirety of his contract. Yeah. I don't want that to be my move because I don't think the core of Zach – DeMar, who let's DeMar had an unbelievable year last year. He might do it again this year. He might not. I don't want my core of Zach DeMar and Rudy Gobert being the core that is my, you know, we're going to win a, we're going to win a title with these, this big three. If the bulls want to win the East, if the bulls want to win a title, if the bulls want to be a true contender, they need to model themselves off of the Miami heat, the Miami heat, no disrespect. To Jimmy no, Butler, no, no. But the Miami Heat have done it year after year and have been in the conference finals, I think, five of the last 11 years or six of the last 11 years 
without a real okay let, let me let me close that gap because i was gonna say without a real star player but that includes the lebron year so yeah of the last three years they've been in two of the last three without a true star player i think jimmy butler is emerging as that i don't know if we give him credit for being the star that he is but like i put jimmy and demar in that same tier last year yeah and, that's that's fair and the pieces around him worked more cohesively and they had more veteran experience. You mix that in with some young shooters and things worked. There's a culture there that they always talk about in Miami. We're still trying to define the culture here um, in Chicago. I'm not sure that Pat Williams or Rudy Gobert are the answer to that culture. I think Rudy Gobert has shown to be a negative uh, effect in locker rooms in the past, but that's all tangentially related to COVID and his relationship with DeMar or excuse me, with his relationship with Donovan Mitchell. So I don't know if either of those is the culture move that gets you to that Miami heat echelon. But my point is that the time is always now in the NBA development is a fallacy. If you feel like you can go get a piece to win now, you go get the piece to win. Now you don't wait on a 20 year old to develop who might not be. I, uh, a, a championship piece outside of a role player. I agree. I anyway. just don't think Rudy Gobert is the piece to win now. That's, I guess that's more, it's not more of a, I would trade Patrick Williams for the right piece. I don't think I want that piece to be Rudy Gobert if I'm trading Patrick Williams. Uh, and again, maybe you need more than a, a big, if you want a bigger piece than Rudy Gobert, you need more than Patrick Williams to move. But I don't know, just, I don't Gobert to me is not like you said, locker room, not the ideal character, whatever you want in there, offensively limited. I know he's very good defensively, but he's 30, and that's that's something that's going to be on the downside. Honestly, if there's any possible way, and I doubt it is because of no trade clauses and such, I'd be on the phone with Donovan Mitchell in Utah and trying to figure out some sort of Zach Levine plus for Donovan Mitchell sign and trade. That's the Utah star I want if I'm making a trade with Utah. I don't know if that's doable. It probably isn't because people would need to say yes. And Zach would need to want to go to Utah, but I don't think that's, I think that's what I'd be trying to manufacture. If not, I'm, I'm looking elsewhere for a different star because things will pop up this off season. Utah came out yesterday and essentially said Donovan Mitchell is not for sale and everything's yeah, for sale. Everybody's got a James Harden has been not for sale like five times. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I agree with you and I tend to lean towards agreement. Um, I tend to lean towards agreement of the fact that Rudy Gobert is not the immediate answer, but um, move it, shake it, make it different, make it fun, make it competitive, and you have my blessing. I guess that's why I buy. Well, you know, we'll watch the NBA Finals, and then once the offseason rolls around, we'll have Mark Schanowski come on and tell us why we're right or wrong or whatever, and he'll just explain to us what the Bulls should do. How about that? Sometimes sometimes we require require that voice of a reason. We also, do. Can't wait to see how confused Mark is when we start posting things at my wedding in Austin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we posted our picture, uh, Mark congratulated me. I think he thought that I got married the other I day. I think he did. We talked about the wedding. So I'll take congratulations on, on, on many fronts. Uh, you congratulations, congratulations on making it to Chicago, Joe. <laughs> congratulations to uh, Mark Schanowski for his pending appearances on the Moose and Runes podcast. Or impending, not pending. He's always welcome here. He's always welcome. Uh, Matt, I think for now, that should do it for episode 256 of the Moose and Ruins podcast. Thank you, as always, for getting in that mailbag. Friend of the pod, uh, Rob Gallick. And for those of you who send those mailbag questions, keep on keeping on. Uh, Keep us engaged here as we hit the low um, of the NBA offseason, NHL offseason, NFL offseason. All we're going to have is big league baseball and live golf 
uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. So uh, keep us uh, keep us honest, keep us regular. But for now, he's Matt. I'm Joe Matt. Say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.